Good morning, Living Word Baptist Church. Good morning. And good morning to everyone who is watching on Facebook today and who may be watching or listening to this sermon at a later date. Greetings and salutations to one and all. We are in, still in, 1 Thessalonians, and we're starting chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today to worship you openly, to praise your holy name in word and in deed and in song, Father God. We ask that you would bless this service to your glory and to your honor. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, just as God uses people to bring the gospel to the lost, He uses people to help uh, young Christians or baby Christians, if you will, to mature, in other words, to lead them into maturity. The church in Thessalonica was born through the faithful preaching of the gospel, and the church was nurtured through faithful pastoring of Paul and other ministers. Now I'm going to say this, you know, it's not only or not just the responsibility of church leaders, uh, pastors, and teachers, and so forth, to minister or to help grow or help uh, mentor or nurture young Christians. It is the responsibility of every mature Christian to do that. And if you know young Christians around you, and you're a mature Christian, you've, you've been around for a while, you've grown in your spirituality and your, your understanding of the Word of God, your understanding of God, it is your responsibility, Christian, to help those who are little. Think of it this way. You're an adult. You see a child stumble. Are you going to help that child? Or are you just going to walk by and kick them over? No, you're going to. I Hopefully you would help. It's the same thing with uh, baby Christians. It's easy for us all to stumble, but even more easy for them to stumble. Help them to stand strong. And this is what Paul did. He helped them to stand strong in the midst of persecution. In these verses, Paul shows the different roles that Christian leaders must fulfill. But I will also add to that, mature Christians are also responsible and has these same roles. Whether you are a church leader, a teacher, a pastor, whatever you are. Now let's go ahead and read the first Six verses. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of such conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted, remember that word, that's key, entrusted 
with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, rather from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Now I have three, three points I'm going to bring out of uh, this scripture today. And the first one is this. A model Christian leader has the role of a faithful steward. A faithful steward. It says, you know, Paul was entrusted with the gospel. It is not a message that he made up or that he received from men. Paul looked at himself as a steward of God's message. Now, in case you're not sure what a steward is, a steward is not the owner. Okay? A steward is not the owner of something, but possesses and uses everything that belongs to the master. That person is responsible for overseeing the master's assets. Okay? That is a steward. You're the, you're the as they used to say in the army, that's the belly button to push right there. That's the guy. That's the guy that's responsible. Okay? Every steward one day will give an account of his stewardship. If he's found unfaithful, he's going to pay a penalty. The message of the gospel is a treasure that is entrusted to us. And we are the stewards of that message. Just as Paul and Silas and others have been stewards of that message. We must not bury it. We must invest it so it will multiply and produce spiritual dividends for the glory of God, not of man. Some Christians think that the church's only responsibility is to protect the gospel from those who would change it. Well, that is a responsibility of the church. But it's not the only responsibility. We must also share the gospel and spread the gospel. In other words, evangelize. Otherwise, we're protecting the Word of God in vain. Faithfulness is the most important quality a steward possesses. How faithful are you? He may not be popular in the eyes of men, but he dares not be unfaithful before God. When we see the characteristics of Paul's ministry as a steward, we understand what faithfulness means. If you understand what Paul went through, you would understand much better what faithfulness is. If anybody had a reason to quit and throw up their hands and say, it's too hard, it's Paul. Think about the beatings and humiliation that he and Silas faced in Philippi. But yet they went on to Thessalonica to preach the gospel. They didn't quit. They'd been shamefully treated, but they didn't quit. They were opposed in Philippi. They were opposed in Thessalonica, but they didn't quit. Faithfulness. 
The message of Paul's ministry is the true gospel. Paul is assuring them this is the one and only true gospel. The gospel is the only one, or this gospel is the only one that can or will save you. There is no other by which you can be saved, according to Scripture. And what was the motivation of his ministry? To preach the gospel. Do what God told him to do. What is your motivation? You doing what God told you to do? Is it possible to preach the right message with the wrong motives? And this was the accusation that some made against Paul. Paul wanted him to know that he had no hidden agenda. His agenda was out front. Preach the gospel. Paul did not try to lure or trick anyone into the gospel. We see today a lot of uh, preachers and hear a lot of preachers and stuff on television and radio and other places that use trickery to gain an audience, to gain money. That wasn't Paul. Some Christians try to win friends and influence people by appealing to their egos or appealing to their wealth. The prosperity preachers, for example. A true minister of the gospel deals lovingly but honestly with sin and judgment and leaves the believer, or unbeliever rather, with nothing to boast in himself. Paul's method was as pure as his motive. He presented the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and trusted God in everything that he did. Paul did what he was supposed to do, and he trusted God to do the rest. He was to sow the seed. God was to water it and bring it up. Look at, first, uh, look at verses 7 and 8. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so that being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Now I said that the first uh, role of a, uh, a model Christian leader is being a steward. The second role is as a loving mother, according to Paul. The emphasis of the steward is faithfulness. The emphasis of the mother is gentleness. As an apostle, Paul was a man of authority. He was under authority. He had the authority given him by God. But he was also, but he also used his authority in love and gentleness. The babies in Christ sensed his tender, loving care as he nurtured them, cared for them. He was indeed like a loving mother who cared or cares for her children. Paul had patience with the new Christians. Paul also nourished them with what? With the Word of God. He was constantly teaching them, helping them to grow. Paul protected these Christians as a uh, mother would to protect her children. Now let's look at our last three verses, 9 through 12. 
For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So the third thing we see is a model Christian leader uh, has the role of a concerned father. Okay? Stuart, mother, father, according to Scripture. Paul considered himself their spiritual father. The Spirit of God used the Word of God in Paul's ministry. And many people in Thessalonica was born again into the family of God, but a father not only begets or begets his children, he also cares for his children. As he defended his own work against false accusations, Paul pointed out three of his duties as a spiritual father to the Thessalonians. See, Paul was accused by some of being there to make money, just to gain riches. But that's not what he was there for. The father works, so we're looking at his works. The father works to support his family. Paul was making tents to support himself so he didn't have to draw money from them for a couple of reasons. One reason, so he couldn't be accused falsely of doing it for the money. No one could accuse Paul of ministering for the money because he provided for himself. That's right. Paul had to work day and night in order to accomplish the things that he accomplished. And then take a look at his walk. Fathers must live so that they are good examples to their children. Paul's life was holy. His life was righteous and blameless. It was now. It wasn't before because before he was a persecutor of the Christians. But once God called him to this ministry and saved him, Paul... Life was righteous and blameless. And then look at his words. A father must not only support the family by working and teaching the family by being a good example, he must also take time to speak to the family members. Paul dealt with each believer personally, according to the Scriptures. He made time for them. Paul encouraged the new believers. Amen. He spent time talking to them about ask, answering their questions. It kind of reminds me, and I'm not comparing myself with Paul by any means, but I get, Stephanie can tell you, every morning and every night I get questions coming in all the time from Pakistan and other places asking me questions. I do my best to answer them. Now, Paul encouraged new believers. This is what a father does. Children are easily discouraged, in case you don't know that. New Christians are also easily discouraged. Paul also comforted them. This word carries the same idea of encouragement with emphasis on activity. He did stuff to comfort them. He didn't just talk to them. 
Now, I'm going to wrap this up. This is a short sermon today, and I apologize for that, but it is what it is. This is what God gave me, and that's it. So now I'm going to wrap this up. Paul testified to them out of his own experience. His own experience. God gave you your testimony for a reason. You know what that reason is? So you will use it. You will use it how? How do you use your own testimony? Number one, you use it to share it with other believers. Help them grow. Because a lot of times a new believer will look at somebody like Mike and say, well, this guy's been perfect all his life and he's... uh, Let's go. You know what I'm saying? The point here is that using your testimony, sharing your testimony with new believers, lets them see that you're human, that you have been saved by the same grace that they are being saved by. It encourages them. It's like, well, well, I didn't know Stan was that big of a scuzzball before. But praise God, he's not now. I could say that about myself. You see, that's one reason. What's the other reason? The other reason is with a lost person. To show them there's hope for them. Regardless of what they have done or are doing currently, there is hope for them. I was a lost sinner. God came into my heart. This is how we... Of course, it never says that in the Scripture that God came into your heart. But anyway, (laughs) I want to clear that up. But the point is that you became a believer and you repented and they can too. Answer the call of God when He does it, when He calls you. So what is your ministry? That's a question that each one of you have to answer for yourself. I can tell you what everyone's ministry is. Two things. One, share the gospel. Two, encourage young Christians. Everyone has that ministry. And if you didn't know that before now, now you know. You can't say you didn't know. So God is calling you to model your Christian life for others. According to uh, the world's standards, Paul might be considered a failure. Now, he wasn't a failure uh, according to world standards before he was saved. He became a failure afterwards. And that's how a lot of people look at Christians today. Okay? See, Paul was an important person. He was highly educated. He had a position and he was climbing the ladder of success. And then God came and put an end to that, (laughs) you might say. He changed Paul's direction. That's what he did. But... Paul was unpopular among a lot of people. There was a mob chasing him around most of the time. There were people bent on his destruction. He spent a lot of time in jail. He was shipwrecked, beaten, bit by a snake, stoned. And when Nero was emperor, Paul was locked into prison in Rome. And then eventually he was taken out and beheaded. Wow, beheaded, that's pretty bad. Actually, that was a benefit for Paul. But see, Paul was a Roman citizen, and there was a law that said Roman citizens couldn't be crucified. So he had the benefit of a quick death rather than a long, lingering, slow death. The moment Paul's head was severed from his body, he was absent from the body and present at the... 
in front of the Lord instantaneously. Paul, a failure? I think not. Certainly wasn't a failure to God. He's not a failure to us. He's a failure to people who are lost because they don't understand and they don't know the truth. Paul, if Paul was a failure, I pray to God that I can be that kind of a failure. Today, think about this. We name our sons Paul and our daughters Paula and our dogs Nero. Think about it. You ever known a person named Nero? No, but I have known several dogs named Nero. Why? Because God can turn human failure into heavenly favor. Amen. The world considered Paul a human failure, but he had God's favor. Here's a question, folks, I want to ask you today. Do you want to be important and favored among men? Or do you want to be important to God and favored by God? That is your choice. You want God? I'd rather be favored among God and hated among men. Jesus was. <laughs> Paul was. All the disciples were. Would be that we were all like Paul. Favored by God. But these are the, th- the things that Paul said that how he was and how we should be. We could take that. We should be a good steward of what God gives us. We should be like a nurturing mother and a nurturing father to young Christians. And that's all i got to say about that for today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We ask you, Lord God, to open the hearts and minds of those who have heard this or who will hear this. Lord, that they would understand this message, take it into their, their minds and their hearts, Lord. That we would that every Christian would seek to please you rather than please men. Teach us all in the way that you would have us go. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.